You're listening to the So You Think You're Intuitive podcast. Join me, Natalie Miles, for channeled insight and guidance to help you reactivate and trust your intuition so you can stand in your own truth and power. Hi everyone, how are you doing? Oh, this month's energy is big and uh, weekly right now there is something else to face. I feel like I'm moving through a lot of emotions and I'm really having to express um, using my voice right now. It is the January energy theme and I'm really seeing that. I am really um, expressing my truth, new boundaries and really connecting to, yeah, expressing my truth using my voice. So it's kind of the 2021 energy theme and the January energy theme all together in one and the energy is moving really quickly. So it seems to be we're we're moving through a lot. If something comes up, if we're ready to face it, if we're ready to move through it and learn from it, it can happen really quickly. And that's not like putting the pressure that we feel like we have to move through something really quickly and that time is a thing, but the energy is moving fast and there is an opportunity to move through things and heal things and face new things and create new um, situations and opportunities um, at a really um, fast rate right now. So trust where you're at, trust the energy that's being thrown at you, practicing the energetics of sovereignty. If you're new to this podcast, I talk about this a lot. There are many episodes all about energetic self-sovereignty and looking after your energy and there's a whole chapter about it in my book as well but as we move through the rest of the year and this month especially as we move towards the back end of this month um the energy really really intensifies over the next couple of weeks so watch out for that and really notice where your um energy is and really looking after it and we are also in the pre-shadow phase of Mercury retrograde Um, Mercury retrograde is January 30th to February 21st I believe but we are already in its pre-shadow phase. So notice if things come up for you um, around that you're having to relook at things, reevaluate. Yeah, just look into the details of things. I find this is a really potent time. If you're looking for some additional support and guidance at this time, BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating in under 48 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional counselling done securely online. There is a broad range of expertise available, which may not be locally available in many areas. The service is available for clients worldwide, and you can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counsellor. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses, plus you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions, so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change counsellors if needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline counselling and financial aid is available. 
BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. Here is a recent testimonial from their website. Shayondra is the glue that held me together this past year. I avoided therapy my whole life and signed up without many expectations. She provided a safe space where I could be vulnerable and open. She is an incredible listener and her expertise in her field makes her feedback, exercises, extremely powerful tools in my day-to-day life. I am very grateful to have found someone so knowledgeable and willing to work through my specific concerns and battles. Would recommend a thousand percent. Visit betterhelp.com forward slash Natalie. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P, and join the over one million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they are recruiting additional counsellors in all 50 states. There is a special offer for So You Think You're Intuitive listeners. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com forward slash Natalie. I am really in creative mode. I am really excited to share with you um, my new channeled activation series, which is coming out next week, which is absolutely wild when I say that. Um, it's called The Doorway, and it's definitely a way that I'm using my voice in a whole brand new way. And this channeled activation series is here to guide you to receive and connect to your own truth and wisdom. And each channeled activation covers a different theme to act as a portal for you to receive your own personal intuitive guidance, reset and clear your energy field and heal the present moment. And I haven't shared on here some of the themes. So this is a sneak peek for some of the themes. There are 10 of them that are coming out next week. Open heart, your truth, trust yourself, anchoring in, let it go, release control, emotional body reset expand soul gifts and collective hope and um, what you can also do is mix and match the different activation themes to unlock or call in or work on a specific area of your life I am very excited to share these with you. They are coming out next week and they will be stored in the intuitive community. Um, so yeah, if you're interested in those, sign up to the intuitive community. It is $24.99 a month and you will get access to this new doorway activation series. Plus a little shout out on Thursday, January 28th at 12 p.m. PST, I have a sacred guidance circle. Um, So if you would like to receive some messages and some guidance from me, um, yeah, come join us. I love these events. Um, The next one is Thursday, January 28th, 12 p.m. PST, and I will put a link into the show notes of how you can sign up. A couple of recent testimonials. My daughter and I attended the sacred circle and I have to say we will be back. We were blown away by the accuracy of the guidance. And another one, I just wanted to thank you for facilitating the circle last night. I feel so much more confident in myself, my abilities and my own intuition. Yeah, come and join us. I'll put a link into the show notes. 
So this week we are joined by Sahara Rose. Sahara has been on the podcast before um, and this is her second time on the show and she is talking all about discovering your dharma. Sahara always brings her energy to these conversations and shares so much wisdom and I really enjoyed this conversation with her. She also has a brand new book out called Discover Your Dharma and in this episode she talks more about her journey to discover her dharma, um, how that's connected to her ancestor story and how you can discover your dharma too. Uh, Here is our conversation. I love Love what was shared. Uh, I hope you really enjoy this conversation too. Sahara, welcome back to So You Think You're Intuitive. Oh my goddess, I feel like it has been so long and so much has happened since I've been here. Like three years ago, was it then? But I'm super excited to chat with you today. Yeah, like you were one of the first ever like guests on um, the podcast. So yeah, it must have been, yeah, two years ago on the show. And it was, it was funny, you were going through like this big transition, you know, talking about, you were talking about like fairies and things like that. It was, you, it was like, you were in this massive like shift and transition and kind of ironically here we are talking about Dharma, like you questioning like what you wanted to talk about and what you were bringing forward in your work. And I remember that like you were in a shift with what was coming up for you. Mm, So much. So, you know, I feel like so many of us on social media, you begin talking about one thing and you kind of get pegged to that thing of like, this is who I am and this is how I need to show up. And for me, you know, starting my journey with health, nutrition, Ayurveda, all things related to physical health, food, I got so bored of talking about that after like seven years of doing it, seven year cycle had completed. And I was like, I just want to talk about past lives and mermaids and all of the different things out there. And that's actually what inspired me to create my podcast, just to have a place that I can talk about all of that stuff. Because I feel like on social media at the time, I had this limiting belief of I need to show up in this exact way because that's what my audience wants. And now I realize that there's no one group of people like these are your audience and that's it. As you shift and grow, people in your audience will grow. And and that's the purpose of life, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, And it would be really boring if we just did the same thing and then as I'm saying that though that there are those people though and it's funny and I've written down this is kind of one of the questions that for some people when they find the thing they just know it's the thing and then they do it for the whole of their lives and there there are those people out there that you know it all happens really quickly for them and so yeah, it, it, it's kind of a contradiction as well as like some people take a while to find their dharma and then, then there, there are those people that just kind of land in it really quickly and easy. Mm, yeah. So, I mean, I see your dharma as your soul's vibration. It, re- it really means your soul's purpose. It is the unique frequency that you give out to the world. It's your fullest expression. And it's not defined by any one role or project or job or career, but it's more so the red thread that connects it all together of, of who you are and how you show up. It's your it's your magic sauce per se. So for some of us, the manifestations of that can really vary across our lifetimes. People who have more of the vata energy, which is the air energy, 
tend to go to, you know, have many different lifetimes across one because they want to experience their energy in so many different physical manifestations. Whereas others of us who are more fire, pitta, direct, this is what I know I want to do and I'm going to do it for the rest of my life, tend to really ride one wave for a long time. However, this doesn't mean that they don't shift. Oftentimes they feel like, again, I'm expected to do this thing and I'm going to keep doing it until I physically can't anymore, until I maybe experience a burnout or something else that a source telling you it's time for you to go. But you'll have that like passion that will maybe run dry or maybe just turn into a different rendition. And then others of us are more kapha, which is the earth energy. So we'll find our dharma through our relationships, the roles we play, motherhood, you know, being being a spouse, being a, a family. And for us, it's not so much about doing a certain thing, but it's really how we relate with the world around us. So, you know, in my in my journey of really understanding Dharma and how it shows up in different people, it really gave me permission, first of all, I have more more of the Vata energy to allow these shifts to come forth, but realizing that it's still part of my same expression. The way that I'll talk about, you know, Dharma will bring, I'll bring the same frequency if I'm speaking about dance and embodiment, or if I'm speaking about goddess work, or if I'm speaking about mermaids and all of these Mm. things that can feel very disconnected, but my frequency, my energy, who I am is going to be the Dharma that shows up throughout it. So I really think of your Dharma as your mission statement. It's what you're here to do. And then different careers, roles, projects, et cetera, are like the services of the company. And some just have that one and some have a multitude and that's going to be according to your unique dosha. Yeah. And so do you feel then that your dharma can change? Do you feel, I mean, I've had like, I have a, you know, I've had some readings and things where it's like, there's this kind of fixed attitude where it's like, this is your dharma. This is what you're here to do on this planet. This is, this is your mission. Do you feel though that that can evolve and change over time into something different or that it just become, it's always one thing and it just it becomes multifaceted as you'd kind of discover more. It's like seeing it as like a, a diamond as such. And it's like you, you know, your Dharma is like this diamond and then you kind of get to see different facets of your Dharma as it goes on, you know, as, as life unfolds. So, yeah, I guess my question is like, do you think your Dharma can change Or is it, or are you like born into like, no, this is my Dharma and this is the thing I'm supposed to do? Yeah, it's a great question. So your Dharma is, is the frequency in which you carry. It's you at your fullest expression. And the more you get to know yourself, the more your Dharma will shine through. So it's more of a process of unraveling, deconditioning, letting go. And the more that you let go and unwrap yourselves from all of these shawls that society has placed upon us from, you know, you got to do this thing for money or for your parents' respect or so you can fit into culture, the more you let go of that, the more the dharma really shines through. Now, that doesn't mean your dharma is your one role per se. It can take many different shifts and forms, but the universal expression of it is one that isn't in Vedic 
in Vedic perspective is not just in this one lifetime, but it's your essence that you carry forth in all of your lifetimes. It's it's your soul. So that's why looking at archetypes is extremely helpful. Looking at astrology, human design, these these different things. Your astrology is not going to change throughout your life or your human design, but the way you relate to it, the way that it shows up will change the more you get to know yourself. So it really allows us to see how the different aspects of ourselves that may feel disconnected, even the things that we're the most ashamed about. Like for me, I'm an Ayurvedic author, an Ayurvedic practitioner. You know, these things are very ancient. It can feel very, very serious, very Mm. age old. And I love to dance. I love to twerk. I love to DJ. And I was so embarrassed of these sides of myself. I thought, okay, these are the things that no one knows about, or these are my hobbies. These have no place in the picture. However, the more that I let those other sides of myself be seen and shown, have I realized how integrated it really is in my dharma to awaken people to their sacred nature, to merge ancient and modern, that these dance forms that I'm even attracted to are for this exact purpose of releasing Shakti and allowing us to connect to our lower chakras and bringing back ancient forms of meditation because you know back in the day we would gather in ritual and dance and shake. So the reason why I was even interested in those things was because if I gave myself the permission and stopped judging it enough to dive into it, I could see how how my dharma was not just to write about this one thing, but rather it was to merge together all of these sides of myself that felt very different and bring mm-hmm. them into my dharma. So if someone's like, I don't know, like I love to like knit and I'm a therapist and I'm super into like computer games and I don't know how that's ever going to fit together. Look at what are the ways in anything it is that you do, you could put together these pieces of the puzzle. Like personally, I would love to take yoga from someone who got out of jail and has tattoos all over their body and listen to Led Zeppelin. Mm. I would love to have a therapist who then talks about how she also plays computer games to stress out. Like Those things to me make someone interesting and multifaceted. And that is really what stepping into your dharma invites you to do. Mm. So just uh, it's like a deeper connection. It's a deeper connection to the self. It's allowing, you know, it, it, it's in, I, I love this because in the you know, whatever spiritual practitioner that it is, whether it's you talking about Ayurveda and Dharma or me talking about intuition and and your intuitive gifts, in the end, we're just trying to get pe- people to connect to their most authentic self. And ironically, in the process for us to ourselves become more authentic and connecting to our own inner truth as well at the same time. It's, it's, it's a... It's an energetic dance to come back to who we are. Absolutely. And and the beauty of it is, you know, so really all of our dharmas is the same and that's to raise consciousness. Like every single person is here to do that, but our unique interests, life experiences, ancestors, which you speak about past lives, all of these things are going to give it culture and texture and nuance and, you know, a lot of people look at their lives and wonder, what could my purpose be? I don't have anything special about me, or I don't have a life-defining moment, or there's nothing that I'm exceptionally good at. And so I've realized how many people really felt like they were just, you know, just another person and nothing was unique about them. And truthfully, 
every single person who is born on this planet is here for a reason. There is There are no extras. There is no one that's here on accident. If we can trust that nature is perfect, that the seasons are always in alignment, we can trust that we too are a part of that. But we've just gone through this indoctrination, which was actually part of our part of the program that we signed up here to forget. We we came onto this planet to forget everything it is that we are to go through the journey again of remembering. And that process of remembering are the unique obstacles that we get to experience. Our, our families. I I always say your family is a microcosm of the issue that you're here to solve. So if you were born first row into what does patriarchy look like, like I was, or addiction or something else, you saw firsthand, you know, what do my mom's footsteps sound like when she's drunk? Or what is how does my dad show up right before he, you know, goes on an on an anger raid or whatever else it is? And you were able to see that issue from such an up-close perspective that no other person from the outside would be able to address it and have love for those people in the way that you are. So it's looking at the obstacles that you've overcome as quote unquote insignificant as they may feel. It could be that you just had a hard time fitting in with school and you learned how to read social cues. It could be that you just learned how to dress yourself really well or that every year when you would you know end up at a new school traveling, you learned how to quickly make friends like Things like that are still obstacles that we've overcome. And I feel like we often compare trauma and think that, you know, if I don't have this huge trauma in my life, then I must not have a purpose. But sometimes your your obstacles are even ones that you've helped others overcome. Like maybe you had a parent that had diabetes or you had a friend that was going through depression and you were the person that was helping them. That makes you become interested. That makes you dive deeper. And then naturally want to share that. So really looking at our obstacles as, you know, this earth is a school and our obstacles are the sole curriculum that have trained us to further embody our dharma. Because just because we're born with a dharma does not mean we're necessarily going to embody it. So we need to go through, you know, the the different obstacles, the different grades, the different learnings to, to give us that strength. Otherwise, you know, so many people say, I have a great voice, but I'm not doing anything with it. Or I love to entertain, but yeah, I haven't done anything with it. But are you saying yes to those obstacles? Are you seeing them as your soul's curriculum that are actually giving you the exact experience that you need so you can step up with the courage, strength, belief that you really need to be a living embodiment of your dharma? Mm, Yes. Um, I've just got this intuitive hit to ask you. So what's been your biggest, most recent obstacle to your own personal dharma? Well, the biggest one for me was were my parents. Um, growing up, my my mom was a refugee and my dad was an immigrant. So my you know upbringing was about survival. You're we're here in America, we've survived, and my uncles were political prisoners. My grandma was in a child marriage. So firsthand, I really experienced and saw what a lot of the shadows and the darkness in the world looks like. So I had it as my personal vendetta that I single-handedly will save the world Mm. and I will do whatever it takes to get there and I will sacrifice my life for it. And I thought that to help the most people, I knew I wanted to help people. So I thought I had to just sacrifice. And that's how you, you know, look at mother Teresa or 
look at Gandhi, they sacrificed their own life. So that's what I will do too. So I went on this, you know, path of, you know, the president of the Amnesty International and organizing protests and doing volunteer work in many different developing countries and then going to school in DC. And then it was in college when I was working at NGOs that I realized how disconnected I actually felt from the very people that I wanted to help, how I felt like I was just in a cubicle, you know, doing a fundraiser spreadsheet for the next fundraiser. And I, I wanted to feel the people. I wanted to talk to them. I wanted to, you know, be alongside them. And I wasn't sure how I could make a career doing so. And then it was in that journey that I went through different health problems and rediscovered Ayurveda and wanted to share that. Now, my parents who grew up, you know, you got to do what you got to do to survive, didn't understand why I wanted to take a risk, didn't understand why I would want to get off of that path that they worked so hard to beat for Mm. me. And it was really tough because for the first time I did not have their approval. And the more that I would steer away from the path that felt safe for them, the more they would do whatever they could to get me back, which would turn into really saying things that would be considered verbal abuse, calling me a loser, a failure, disgrace, saying they would disown me, never speak to me again if I didn't obey, if I if I tried to write this Ayurveda book. And it was in those years that were so painful for me because I wasn't sure if it was selfish for me to live my dharma. I wasn't sure if it even existed. I wasn't sure if it was just something they tell you as a kid and then you get older Mm. and it's like, oh, no, that, follow your dreams, that was bullshit. You were not supposed (laughs) to actually believe that. And it was like a Santa Claus story and I was like the only one still believing in it. So I was like, wait, am I wrong on this? Or does this actually exist? And it was hard because I didn't have any examples of anyone living their purpose. No one, no woman in my family has ever even worked, let alone lived her purpose. So it was a really quote unquote confusing time. And now I don't even believe confusion exists. I believe it's an evaluation of our own truth. But at this time I was labeled as confused, lost, and someone who doesn't know what they want in life. And, you know, sometimes I, I believed it. And I thought, you know what? I should just stick to becoming a real estate agent or doing something that's practical because I don't know what I want. And then other times something deeper within me would tell me, I have this gift of communication. I have this desire to share you know, these very practices that have helped me so much. And there's someone out there that can benefit from it. And I needed to get to a point with my parents that I was ready to be disowned by them. I was ready to not have any type of relationship with them if that's what it meant for me to live my dharma because I knew that I would always regret not doing it. And I would never even be able to be the daughter that I wanted to be if I didn't give this a try. So it was quite hard because we barely spoke for about two years. And They were so angry at me. And that anger was really coming from a place of hurt. But I had to drop my desire for someone else's approval. I had to drop, you know, wanting wanting the 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 pat on the back and realize that I'm only here to gain my own approval. And that even though my parents gave me life, this is my lifetime. And having that experience prepared me for this work that I'm doing. Because as you know, people 
might not like you. People might say shit to you. And if you're still trying to get everyone's approval, it will stop you in your track. So my soul's curriculum needed me to believe in myself so much that even when the people who raised me did not believe in me, I would still continue. Mm, yeah. And just keep on keeping, keeping true to the vision of what you want to create and the feeling that that comes or how that comes up in your body of like this inner knowing of what the Dharma is. It's like the, you know, and as I talk about like intuition, that inner knowing that you have to, to take the leap to make that decision. And sometimes it, doesn't always make sense but you know that you're supposed to follow that path it's the you know it's the same of um the energy the energetic connection of following your dharma um oh this key question keeps coming up what's been your biggest challenge this this year um in 2020 um what's been your what's been your biggest challenge this year on your dharma if we if we're people if you know, I know for in my own business, in my own world, I'm always being challenged to expand and grow and evolve. Um, and that still is within my dharma and how I'm showing up in the world. For you, what's that what's what's that look like for you um most recently um as you now? Yeah. So the this year for me and my dharma has really been the year of team. I know we've briefly spoken about that, but this has been a tough one for me because I am someone who can do it on my own and I can do it fast and I know what it is that I want to do. And, you know, having started blogging 11 years ago, I was the person who made the website and did the email and did the SEO and did the everything. And I would just teach myself to do things because I didn't have any money to pay anyone to. So I wore a lot of different hats and I just kind of kept doing that in my business. And in a way, it's coming from my ancestry of survival and do mm. everything on your own. So it was I was very late to really hiring. I just tried to kind of, oh, it's not that big of a deal. Oh, I'll just get it done. I'll get it done faster. So I kept doing that. But, you know, creating, creating Rose Gold Goddesses, my membership, which is was a whole, like creating that single-handedly by myself, I was like, wow, this is taking my energy away from my dharma because now I'm in I mean, I'm spending my time doing technology and all of these different things, which I can do, but I don't want to do. It's not the best use of my time. And it was hard because I would get into these different situations that I would try to trust someone and then end up repeating that story of I can't trust anyone because for whatever reason, you know, I tried to migrate my website and it kept crashing or or someone, you know, just wouldn't do something in the way that I would want it to be done. So it was recreating this narrative for me of you can't trust anyone. You have to do it all on your own and preventing me from really doing what it is that I'm here to do and, and live the living embodiment of my dharma. So it has definitely been a journey. Um, a lot of entrepreneurs will will experience this of finding the people who you can really work with, finding the people who understand your vision and are in their own zone of genius and can help bring it to the next level. So very recently, I have, for the most part, put this together and made hires and have people that I am really excited about and can support me in these different ways. But for anyone who's listening, my best advice is to do it before it becomes this huge, painful issue that like your journal every day is not about website stuff happening. <laughs> and <laughs> try to not get to where I was. <laughs> I'm like, dear journal, my website, da, 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 da. I'm like, wait, why? Like, this is what I'm processing all the time. But because it's like, it's, 
it's you. It's it's when it's something is so related to your dharma, it even a little thing like that can feel like this is preventing me from from spreading my message of why I'm here to be. So that has been a big one. And then secondly, of course, like COVID, 2020, all of the different shifts and the times that I would go down the rabbit hole of, you know, trying to figure out what's happening and that and just ending up in this really energetically icky, disempowered place that I realized that not all forms of media, even if they call themselves truth tellers, are here to empower you or really bring you closer to your truth. So learning my boundaries with that as well of, hey, you don't need to figure it all out because guess what? You never will. And this whole thing was designed to confuse you. So rein it all in, focus on what you can control, how you can actually make a difference on this world, see something through because the world doesn't need more people in terror who are shocked. It needs more people creating solutions. Mm, yes solution based yeah I, I feel you it's um a lot of people have been feeling like they're not in control of their dharma or not in control of um the next step or um of what that looks like and it's kind of this balance where it's like well you were never in control in the first place but it's also this like how can we keep coming back to ourselves it's like when you first started talking about like you know in the end your dharma is like the truest authentic version of you and how you're showing up and that's what we're really being guided to during all this you know everything that we've been experiencing it's it's definitely been a time of yeah uncovering your authentic self Mm, absolutely. And knowing that it's not a one-time thing. I think a lot of people think, I just need to figure out my purpose and then I'm good. And it's not like, okay, I'm here. My whole life is in purpose. That's it. When you do experience your dharma, yes, you are able to then more more easily be able to feel when something is not your purpose. However, it's not an end point. It's more of like the first peak of a mountain range. And there are many other peaks to come and you'll continue going on that journey and learning more about yourself, growing every day, releasing what is no longer serving you, but it's never going to be done. And I think that sometimes with spirituality, especially we try to package it as like once you get to 5D, like everything's great and everything's perfect and like you will be so happy. And it's like, that's not really how it works. You know, this, this year has really taught me how much, how much embodiment really means to me and how so much, so often in spirituality, we so focus on like, like leaving this world, ascending, like going somewhere else, leaving the body. And to me, it's really about how can I be more here? How can I be more in my heart, on this earth, on this, uh, in my, in my body, like in my womb. And that has been a huge realization for me that, you know, if I'm meditating and I'm focused on being in my body, being in my womb space, feeling all of the things it actually takes me so much further than trying to like astral project myself mm. into the Pleiades. So it's a, it's a beautiful time because I feel like we have so many more options and lineages and, and frameworks. And really we're all talking about the same thing, but it's what language feels like home for you. And for me, that home feels like a form of spirituality. That's about being immersed in the body, immersed in the Shakti with the people. And that using that as my guide has allowed me to really 
move through the obstacles of 2020 with not total ease, but much more ease had I not realized how important those practices are to me. Yeah. Yeah. I feel you finding the practices that work for you are just, it's a real game changer on, on every single level. And yeah, really coming back to the body is just, it's so key. If someone's listening to this and they're like, because we've used the word purpose and we've also used the word dharma. Um, and I'm someone where I feel, you know, we have multiple life purposes. If they're like, what's the difference between purpose and dharma? How would you explain it to them? Yeah. So, you know, often they're used interchangeably, but really the word dharma in Sanskrit has over 16 different definitions. The definition that, you know, I am using and that we're speaking about is really more of your soul's purpose rather than your life purpose. Because a, a lifetime can have many different purposes, as you mentioned. Your, your One purpose can be I'm a mother. One person purpose can be I'm a teacher, et cetera. But the soul's purpose is its reason for incarnation. So in the Vedic perspective, which I'm actually curious how similar it is to how you see things, but in the Vedic perspective, our soul's come to this planet and agree to Maya, which is the temporary amnesia, to finish any either unfinished work from previous lifetimes or to use experience from previous lifetimes to bring about like that type of essence. So for example, let's say you are the queen of Egypt or something like that to bring about that frequency. But there was also perhaps an element of unfinished work. And we're only here on this, on this earth school, if we have some unfinished work to do. So if you're here, (laughs) you got something to do. (laughs) And we agreed to the Maya, we agreed to the temporary amnesia. And it's for the process of remembering, remembering the frequency of the soul, remembering the Dharma. So that's why the Dharma is beyond one career, one role, one even purpose, but it's more so the big why, the big reason why you're here. Mm, yeah, no, I feel that. I, Yeah, it's like all of that. It's, yeah, it's, I agree. It's the, you know, what are you here to learn from? What are you here to do differently? Are you going to learn from it? And are you going to show up authentically and be in that kind of Dharma energy? Are you going to um, yeah, live by your values or are you willing to go on a journey to live by your values and go and discover what that looks like for you? Absolutely. And, you know, I, I outlined these, these five stages of, of Dharma discovery, but the first one is just even having self-awareness, like the awareness that something in my life needs to change. So oftentimes we hit this roadblock that we're like, okay, something needs to give I see where my life is heading and I don't like that direction. And that's just that first stage where the seed of Dharma is planted. Then the second stage is the self-improvement. And that's when we we start to maybe like get into a fitness routine or or meditation or listening to motivational speakers, self-improvement. And it's a beautiful stage because you realize, you know, how much further you can get with these practices. And it's very focused on the mind and body. So, you know, people like Tony Robbins and all of these motivational speakers, self-help people are in this stage too of how can I make my mind more sharp? How can I make my body more aligned? And it's very motivational as opposed to inspirational, which are really different frequencies. It's how, how can I improve myself, right? 
But then we enter the stage three and it's realizing that you're not even a self to be improved and that you already are whole as you are. So you leave the the desire to improve the mind and the body and it really becomes about knowing yourself and knowing the soul. And that's when people often have the quote unquote spiritual awakenings. And for some people, it's like a moment in time. And for other people, it's more of an unraveling. And it's in this time that, you know, maybe you found Natalie's podcast (laughs) or you, you know, begin to read different books more about the soul and archetypes and astrology and all of these different aspects. And this can be a really tough stage because you could feel like you're going crazy. You can feel like you're totally alone. You know, when you're, I don't know if you ever had this experience, Natalie, but for me, when I was going through it, I was like, so angry at this world. I was like, why is everything so messed up? And like, why are people spending all their times in boxes? Like we're in a cubicle and then we're in a car and then we're in the shopping mall. And it was like, how am I going to survive in this world once you're, you're able to see more from your third eye? So it can be this like really lonely time in someone's spiritual journey as well. Have you felt that one? Yeah, no, I was, I felt very like, okay, hang on a second. Is is this really what we signed up for? Is this really how we're supposed to be living our lives? And there's that element of really seeing the world's flaws and seeing, yeah, just seeing it for what it is and being like, oh, this doesn't, this doesn't feel aligned. Yeah. And getting deeply frustrated by it. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I witnessed many, many people have gone through stage three this year. So the people who, you know, and it happens to all of us, but when you go down these different conspiracy theory, rabbit holes, et cetera, and you become frantic, like, oh my God, all this is happening. And oh my God. And it's like, um, yeah, this level of like hyperactivity that arises because it's like all of this new information that it hasn't been fully integrated and assimilated yet. So when you emerge into that stage four, it's when you find the practices that are right for you. You find the books, the teachers, the, the methodologies, and you're able to be part of this world and still see its flaws. So you, you know, maybe you're doing your breath work or your channeling or your dance or whatever else it is. You have the people that you go to for advice. So I'm thinking a lot of people listening to this podcast are stage four people as well. Cause you're more of a stage four than a stage three. I feel like people totally new to spirituality are not quite finding Natalie miles yet, but <laughs> stage four is like, okay, I'm, I'm maybe I found Abraham Hicks. And then from there I'm going here and you're, you're finding your groove with this all. However, you probably don't know what you're dharma is, your purpose. You may feel like your life is a little bit fragmented or if you have the thing that you do for work and then your other spiritual interests or that it's hard to have friends to talk with about this stuff or you're living a double life and you know that you do have a purpose out there, something greater for you, but you're not quite sure what it is. Maybe you're sharing it on a small level, but you haven't fully stepped into it yet or maybe are just beginning to. And that then brings us to stage five, which is when we move from me to we, and this is full Dharma embodiment that not only are you living your purpose, but you see it as an extension of really being of service to this planet. So it becomes less focused on the self, 
we need to go through that journey of the self, especially in stages three and four of self-care, self-improvement, like boundaries, understanding the self. We, we have to do it at first. But when you step into that stage five, you have this level of solidity and grounding and, and, and you always know you can go back to them, but you realize your dharma isn't about you. It's really about you being of service. And it fuels you from this much, much larger stream of energy that you could ever get on your own. And that's when you see people, you know, doing the impossible. They are creating things and stepping out and, and shining, shining their gifts. And they're, they're streaming from the cosmos in a way that they could have never fueled themselves. And this stage of Dharma embodiment, everything in your life must fall into balance. Otherwise your Dharma won't be able to shine out. So you probably have had to drop some friendships or relationships that were not serving you. Maybe you moved, maybe you, you know, redefined some ways that you show up, but you realize that all areas in your life must be in alignment. Otherwise there's an energetic cord that's going to be holding you back from your Dharma. So it's when you can look at everything and see, yes, this is supporting me to live my mission here on this planet. And that path of service is also my highest path of joy. And it's not sacrificial. It's not, I'm doing this because they need me. And it's not mm. a, a, another victim type of story that we often get to. It's my highest form of joy is my highest form of service and realizing that you're meant to share your gifts. It feels good to share your gifts. Your dreams are dreaming you back. The only reason why they were encoded inside of you is because it's a part of you. And by focusing on them, cultivating them, expanding them, you are serving the world in a larger way than you ever could have before. And that is every single person's birthright. It is possible for every single person. And it's truly why we were all born. Mm, yeah. Do you... I don't know why I want to say this. Do you feel though that there's like this external pressure for everyone because of social media to show up to serve in a particular way? I feel like there's this pressure right now. It's like, oh, for me to serve, does that mean I need to have a big social media platform or start a podcast or, you know, what? I just feel like there's a lot of pressure right now to be in your dharma and also to serve in a way that keeps being shown to back at us through social media. Mm, absolutely. And the reason why this is happening is because oftentimes the people who are speaking about this stuff, including myself, have certain archetypes to us. So we think, okay, if that person's living their purpose because they're talking about it, this must be what purpose looks like. Mm. And that's happening in our space. But you know, 80% of kids right now were polled, what do you want to be when you grow up? Natalie, do you know what they said? A computer gamer. YouTube stars. YouTube stars. Yeah. And why do they want to be YouTube stars? Because they see these people look happy. They look like they're living their purpose and they want that too. So what they see is, well, mom and dad don't look that happy, but these YouTube stars do. So I want to be a YouTube star. So because we are so disconnected from the way of the village, we don't see different archetypes, different roles. We only see certain people showing up in certain ways. And with social media, you can very much create a vacuum for yourself where you're only seeing people mm. showing up the exact same way that you are, or that you want to. So you might think that nothing else is possible. So 
That's why I created these nine Dharma archetypes. For me, archetypal work has been so instrumental because it's allowed me to see myself in something larger than me, especially when I was questioning if I even had gifts or not. And I was able to see, oh, I can see how this person's showing up in that archetype. And it gives you more permission to be yourself. So we can go into them or I'll just list them briefly. But the reason why so many people feel like they need to show up as, for example, the activist the visionary, the teacher, the entertainer. These are probably the ones that we look at the most. This year has been a year of of the activist and not everyone's dharma is to be the activist. For some people, like myself, I was definitely born with that. It's part of my life story. But for other people, it feels very unfamiliar for them. So does that mean that every single person now needs to become an activist? No. Does that mean everyone should be able to step into their activist when there are important situations? Yes. So it's not about, I'm only this archetype, so screw the rest. But are you going to be, you know, the voice of authority on something that you just learned about yesterday? I mean, we're we're seeing right now on social media what can happen when people try to talk about something that they don't know anything about and how it can actually be more harmful. So I think that this year has for me, really shown us how important our roles are, how important our archetypes are, and that we need each and every one of them. We need the nurturers who are behind the scenes, diving deep with people, whether it's in coaching or therapy or in the ER or in customer service or wherever else it is. And we need the researchers who are doing the deep research, whether it's in the past, in history, or in the future with technology and, and sciences. And we need the warriors who are standing up and, and fighting for a cause and you know, really using their energy and their life force to, to speak up. And we need everything else, the activists, the visionaries, the teachers, entertainers, etc. But I'm seeing right now that we're finally realizing this, that not all of us were born the same. Not all of us were meant to show up in the same ways. And living your dharma is not about looking like someone else or showing up like someone else. It's about knowing yourself so much that the way that you show up is just a natural expression of that. Mm, and and for us to realize we need the balance in the community. It's like balance in nature, balance in community, balance on the planet. It's We're, we're just journeying, needing to realize there's, there's this like need for for balance across the board and Mm. yeah yeah it feels really important if someone is like talking about balance how do we in your opinion how do we balance looking for our dharma and trusting intuitively that we'll find it or that we're already being guided to it like finding the balance between taking the action and being like, right, I'm going to do this versus the more intuitive kind of like trusting on the path. What, what, what's your take on that? Yeah, that's a great question. And one that definitely I sat with when writing the book, because I would see some people who would say, you can't find your purpose, you design it. It's something you come up with. And other people saying, I never, you can't even find your purpose because it happens to you. And, you know, all these things that are very contradicting. So I was really studying how different people of all walks of life stepped into their purpose. And what I realized that there are three main ways. The first way is the leap. 
Now, this is often what we see in our, you know, our our media. We celebrate it. The person who like quit their job, moved to their van, and like went out to make it. They moved <laughs> to Hollywood and they're not gonna stop until they make it. And the leap is very all or nothing. It is for the person who is the risk taker. It is for the person who can't stand maybe the job that they're in or the place that they're in, that they need something to just get them out of it. So the leap is really going to be helpful for someone who thrives in these kind of make or break situations or wouldn't take action if they weren't in one. Mm. However, if you are someone that gets very stressed out in, in high stress situations or has a family that you can't just you know, move back to your parents' house or, or take a risk in this type of way, or, you know, just doesn't want to put themselves in that type of situation, then the next stage, the next pathway might be the best for you, which is the transition. Now, the transition is more for the person who likes to take the calculated risk. They like to think of, okay, what are my options? First of all, what do I want to do? You know, a lot of people aren't even sure what their interests are quite yet. So the transition gives you that space to maybe dabble in different courses, um, try different jobs, internships, freelance gigs, and get more experience in trying different things that you may be interested in doing or embodying more of, and then get it to a place that if you are making it, you know, the thing that you're monetizing to support you, you're able to do so in a way that doesn't feel super scary. So, you know, an example example I wrote about in the book is our mutual friend, Krista from Almost 30. Mm. So she had a nine to five corporate job and started Almost 30. And it took her, you know, two, three years of working on the podcast, growing her audience, finding sponsors until she got to a point that she felt safe enough to then transition away from her nine to five job into almost 30. Now, imagine if the first episode, she's like, I'm quitting my job and I'm going <laughs> to be making as a podcaster. Well, first of all, that it wouldn't have happened. And second of all, she would have probably not been able to make the right decisions because she would have been in a fear survival state. She would have freaked. She would have exactly. absolutely freaked. <laughs> she, yeah, she would have like sold out. She would have been like, okay, like any like McDonald's brought to you by McDonald's, like whatever, whatever she could have because you need to in that state. So the transition is really good if you, you know, for example, I, I, I'll actually ask this question to you after because I'm, I'm interested for your response, but different people will show up for different projects in different ways. If you're someone who is very deliberate, you do things a little bit at a time, you have more of that kapha earth energy to you, then the transition may be right for you. And then the last one is the accidental dharma discovery, which is what you mentioned that it just finds you. You just get that intuitive hit and and that's what you're supposed to be doing. Now, an example of this is my friend's uncle was an engineer. He was in his 50s, worked as an engineer his whole life. And his um, his company that he worked at said everyone needed to take an extracurricular. So he randomly chose ceramics. Hmm. He gets on that pottery wheel, feels his hand on that clay, and he's like, oh my goddess, I feel so alive. This feels so good. I love the way that the mud feels between my fingers. I need to do this every day. So every day he shows up on that ceramics wheel and he starts to make plates and bowls and cups and makes it for the other people in the office and gets better at it. And then realized, I am here to be a potter. So the first half of his life was being an engineer. The second half was about being a potter. So that's an example of he wasn't looking for his purpose. It just found him. Now, 
he could have just as easily have said, oh, it feels really good to do pottery, but I'm so busy. I have so much work. I can't do it. And that Dharma would not have evolved. So I believe that we all have elements of all three in them. We all need to take the leap at some point. We all are learning it in a transition. And we all have Dharmas that are waiting for us to say yes to them. But are we just passing them by? Mm. Yeah, it's funny. As you were talking, I was like, oh, mine is so all three. I was like, I can't fit what I can't fit it into it because I've experienced kind of the accidental re-stumbling of being like, oh yeah, intuition, psychic gifts. And then the leap that I needed to take when I lost my, when I got let go from my job. But then I also had a transition phase where I was still doing like bits of film work and temping. And then that then required another leap for me to be like, nope, I'm quitting, I'm doing this and I'm taking the leap and I'm doing this full time. So yeah, mm-hmm. it's been, it's definitely been a cyclical journey for me from, you know, accidental or, you know, knowing that this was always the path that I was going to stumble upon, but having the 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 other, um, the leap and the transition energy as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see it as a yin yang, like mm. really deep within the leap there is some transition and within a transition, there is some leap. Like you can't not, and then there's always accidental Mm. universal instincts moving through you. Now here's a question that may help and it will help listeners too. If you were to write a book, which I know you recently did, (laughs) would you one drop everything? I'm just in the vortex of writing my book. Like I am just going to get this all done and, and not stop until this book is finished. Or would you every single day write for an hour or every single weekend show up at the same time and do it really consistently over the course of a year? Or would you kind of just wait until you feel inspired to write and let it come to you? So what was it for you in writing this Mm, book? I think it was a part of number three that I had to trust the timing of it and let the timing be like, now I'm ready. And then it was more like, one it was like right and now we have to write this and I didn't give up everything but it was very much like no this needs to happen and it's this year and kind of all all in um with it it was you know and yeah I wrote it over numerous weeks but it wasn't like I wasn't like oh I'm gonna show up an hour a day and write this it was very much like oh no I'm gonna trust the energy of when this wants to be channeled through and oh I'm gonna do you know four hours I'm gonna do half an hour I'm gonna do seven hours like it was just very kind of it had that kind of energy to it Mm -hmm. I love that and it's so helpful for us to know how our energy works with you know something as big as writing a book like I spoke with someone who said he wrote one page of his book every single day for 365 days like that's how he wrote his book and in his dharma he very much did the transition for me that would never work because if I'm feeling inspired (laughs) I need to run that channel channel until it is dry so 
you know, with writing this book, it was hard because I had so much other stuff going on and I was, you know, creating rose gold goddesses and really had to be in my masculine all day. And I had to write this book that it really made me see, oh, now I see why so many people don't live their dharma. Mm. They're so exhausted from, you know, doing their work that they feel like they don't have the space to be creative. But I actually needed to have that experience to feel how the majority of the population is feeling of like, hey, I have two hours right now. I just got to start writing because these are the only two hours that I have. However, in in doing it that way, I ended up, you know, during Christmas, rewriting the whole entire book in uh, the course of two <laughs> weeks when I was in that accidental dharma. So it was just a good reminder to me of, you know, I can work this way of doing it the more transitional way, but it's not my optimal energy. Mm. But it's really great for people to know because. I've seen books been written so many ways. Dharma's been, been done in so many ways. And oftentimes people will preach it to, this is what it looks like. This is how it happens. If if you're not designing it or if, if you don't stumble upon it, then it's not real. And you know, just as, just as much as we are unique with the doshas, we're unique with our dharmas. And the way that each of us will find it, express it, embody it is really going to depend on who we are. Mm, and taking the pressure off. Yeah, just... Mm-hmm. Taking the pressure off and journeying, yeah, journeying back to ourselves, and not as you as you shared earlier, it's like not thinking about what that archetype or what that looks like for somebody else, and just being and being in that space and and being okay with, oh, I've only got two hours, or I've got an hour, or you know, I have two hours a week, or you know, or every other week, and just keep you know, keep giving your space and that opportunity to kind of do the things that you love and reconnect to yourself. Mm, yes. And I do want to note about the transition, the doing it a little bit at a time. That's actually the most difficult way. Oftentimes people are like, I want to do that one. Like that sounds like the easiest, but it's actually the most difficult one because then it's you who requires a lot of willpower to show up. So Oftentimes people will say, okay, I'm going to write every single day. I'm going to wake up an hour early and write every single day. And then that becomes every other day, becomes every week, becomes every month, becomes it never happens. So if you are someone that wants to do the transition, what I really recommend is working backwards of let's say you want to, you know, using the book example again, I want to have my book out by April 1st. Okay, well, what's the step that needs to come before that? Okay, well, I would need to get it, you know, either published or self-published. Okay, the step before that needs to be edited. The step before that will needs to be written. The step before that will all of the chapters. The step before that will I need to know the table of contents. So, okay, when will I have the table of contents done? When will I do chapter one, two, three? And oftentimes, especially for those of us who are more airy and go with the flow, this can be the most challenging thing to do. And we have such an easier time, you know, showing up for a Zoom call or a meeting with someone else than we do for ourselves and for our own dharmas. So embodying your dharma really takes trusting it and prioritizing it. And if you can prioritize it, even if it feels like, oh, I hate putting things on my calendar, or I just want to always be in the flow. Sometimes it requires you giving yourself a little bit of that structure, that Shiva energy, so you can be in a container that your creativity can show up in. Mm, Yeah. And yeah, no, I love it. That's such a, that's such a good, great way of describing it. Um, I know that a lot of the community are going to really resonate with that. One final question, this keeps popping up and this is it. I don't 
know why I want to say this is a rhetorical question. Um, yeah, and I feel like it's spirit message too that's kind of weaved its way in. Are you ready for your dharma to change? Or will you, do you feel like your dharma is going to change? You know, you 29? No, 30. You're 30, right, Sahara? Yeah, almost 30. Almost 30. I was about to say, yeah, around that. Do you feel like your dharma is going to evolve? Well, are you ready for your dharma to evolve and change over the next 25, 30 years? How does that feel to think that what your... I just, uh, that's the question that wants to come through. (laughs) How does it feel for my Dharma to change over the next 20 years? Yeah. You know, I could only hope that it further expresses. So the way that I see it is my soul's frequency is, is there. It's, it's already here. It's already inside of me. And I look forward to further getting to know her and her expressing and manifesting herself in different ways that I show up and in different modalities and topics, et cetera. But I don't see it as much as I, my soul is not changing, but rather she is further expressing and opening and I will get to know more of her. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, completely makes sense. I just kept getting, I'm just, I'm so excited to where this expression goes because it's going to take you, it's just going to take you on some. I already know where where it's heading next. Do you want me to tell you? (laughs) Yeah, please. What's, where where is next? I, I feel like it's some womb stuff. Yes, yes. It's, it's all, to me, it's really about, further embodiment, you know, like into the feminine work, into the ways of the womb, into using dance as a modality of healing. Mm -hmm. I feel like my lifetime, I have the teacher archetype. So I go through life learning a lesson for myself. And then the way that I transmute it is to help teach others. So the universe is like, okay, health problems. You're going to teach about Ayurveda. You don't know your Dharma. Okay. You're going to teach about Dharma, like, you know, disconnection from your body and your womb space and the ancestor stuff. You're going to, you're mm-hmm. going to do that. So I'm like, okay, what's what's next? But I could just feel deeply in myself of that's where my excitement is. And I always say that excitement are the breadcrumbs that are guiding you towards your Dharma. So Whatever it is for all listeners right now, just make a list of everything you're excited about that you just want to like Google search or sign up for a retreat about and know that something in there is related to your dharma. Oh, hell yes. Follow those breadcrumbs. Follow the breadcrumbs. Gluten-free breadcrumbs. (laughs) (laughs) Classic. Absolute classic. Oh, Sahara, it's so great to chat. Um, where can people um, find more about Discover Your Dharma and the book? And obviously they need to listen to your podcast as well. Um, share where people can find you. Mm, yeah, well, it's such an honor to be here. So much fun chatting with you. So you can um, check out the book and receive exclusive bonuses at IamSaharaRose.com slash Dharma. You can also take my Dharma archetype quiz at dharmaarchetypequiz.com. I have a podcast as well called Highest Self Podcast, which I recently had you on again. And my Instagram is at I am Sahara Rose. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's been an absolute pleasure as always. And I'm just, I'm so excited to see where your dharma takes you and all the things on your journey. I'm I'm so excited for it. (laughs) Thanks, Queen. I'm I'm excited for it too. Those breadcrumbs, those breadcrumbs. (laughs) 
Thank you for listening to this conversation with Sahara. If you've enjoyed this episode, please head to iTunes and rate and review. It just means that more people will be able to find the show. Thank you again for listening and I will be back next week with another episode of So You Think You're Intuitive. Bye.